0: It's really good to be here this morning. It's such a blessing to be with, here with all of you, worshiping with you, praising God. We sang a song, Praise Him, Praise Him. We have so many things to praise God for. Uh, we sang a song about the wonderful story of love. We're going to talk about that this morning. We, uh, we have so much to be thankful for. In Christ, uh, the love of God in sending Christ to die for us. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. <clears throat> Some of you, uh, most of you, or a lot of you, remember my granddad, Bert Lane. When he was alive, I, I used to always ask him, uh, when I knew I had a lesson coming up, he might ask me to speak, or someone else might ask me to speak, and I would, I would always ask him for a suggestion. I would ask him what he thought I should speak about. And without fail... He gave me the same answer every time. Every time I asked him that question, he told me that I should speak about the gospel. And I don't, I don't remember how old I was the first lesson I, I gave. Uh, I know I was baptized when I was 10 years old. And I know I'm 35, old, 35 years old now. So I've gone 25 years and I haven't given a lesson on the gospel. So I want to do that this morning. And why I waited 25 years to do that, I think we're going to talk about a little bit later in the lesson. But to start the lesson, I think we need to talk about the gospel and, and what it is. The gospel is the most important thing in your life, and it's the most important thing in my life. It's the most important thing in any of our lives, and it's important that we talk about it and that we know everything we can about it. Another thing that got me thinking about talking about the gospel, being the most important thing in my life, is Mitch asked one day, what could you talk for 25 minutes about without any preparation? Essentially that, essentially that was the question. And I was ashamed at that point that the answer that I could come up with was not the gospel. It was not the thing that is most important in my life. I didn't feel that I could just stand up and start talking about the gospel for 25 minutes. And I couldn't do that this morning had I not prepared. But I want to get there. And I want you to get there too. I want you to be able to tell everybody exactly what the gospel is and what it means for them. What it means for you and in turn what it means for them. And so that's what we're going to try to do this morning. So the goals that we have for our lesson this morning is I want you to, when we get done here, I want you to know exactly what the gospel is. I, want you, I don't want you to have any confusion about that. I think there is confusion about what the gospel is out there. Uh, and I'm not going to cover everything that the gospel is not. I'm going to try to keep it as simple, uh, as, simple as I can as, and talk about what we uh, find the gospel to be in Scripture. You know, I think the the simplicity of Christ is powerful. It's amazing. And I want you to have a firm grasp of what Christ has done for you. And the second thing that I want to accomplish this morning is when we leave, I want you to feel motivated to share the gospel and teach someone else about the gospel. I want you to realize the impact of the gospel in your life. So much so that you want to share it with others and not keep it to yourself. Those are the goals that we have for the lesson this morning. So we're going to start with explaining exactly what the gospel is. So this is the Greek word for gospel, and I'm not going to try to pronounce that. But essentially, the word gospel is defined as a good message, good news. Uh, The root word, or G2097 in Strong's, um, explains it. It's a good message in, in, in the way that you have to proclaim it. You have to deliver or pronounce or announce good news. That is what the gospel means. So when we talk about the gospel, it's the good news, and it's the good news of Christ. We're going to talk about that. Romans 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek So we see here that the gospel is also the power of God to salvation. It's the gospel, it's through the gospel that we are able to be saved. And in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 15 and verses 1 through 4, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. I highlighted first of all there in yellow. I hope that you can read that. And the reason I highlighted that is because we often talk about the first principles, and I don't know how old I was when I realized or when I learned what the first principles were, but it was a long time. Uh, after hearing about them in sermons. This is where we get that, that thought. The first principle that is delivered uh, is the gospel. It's the fact that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And so that's what the gospel is. In its, most, in its simplest form, this is what we see the gospel to be in scripture. It's the good news of Christ. It's the power of Of God to salvation and it's that Christ died for our sins that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day so you look at that and you think well it's good news it's the power of God to salvation and it's the fact that Christ died was buried and he rose again the third day those are all facts why is that such good news why is it good news that Christ died and rose again what does that do for us. What does that do for me? What does that do for you? And it's good news because of John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's good news that because of the gospel, we have a way not to perish but, and a way to have everlasting life because of the love that God has for us. You see, we have a problem. Everybody has a problem, and that's the problem of sin. Romans uh, 3, in verse 23, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. You and I have sinned. There's none of us here that haven't. We've done things that are wrong. We've done things that are contrary to God's word and to God's will, and that separates us from God. You know, there's there's times that, or if you're here, you might have... uh, ignored that fact at times in your life but you cannot deny that you've sinned nobody here can deny that first john chapter 1 and verse 8 if we say that we have no no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we say that we have no sin we're a liar as we read in scripture romans 6 and verse 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord so we know that we've sinned and we read here that the wages of that sin is death. So what does that sin do for us? Is it causes us to die. It causes us, causes us uh, death <laughs> is, a, is a problem. That's not what, that's not what we want. Uh, you know, in physical terms, that's a fear that, that many have in life is death. People don't want to die. The wages of sin is not just a death in a, in a physical sense, but death eternally. In Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You see, the problem with sin and the problem with your sin is that it separates us from God. You see, God is pure. God is light. And we know that, and we read that in him is no darkness, and sin is darkness. And they cannot be intertwined. They can't be mixed. Light and darkness cannot mix. So again, I ask you, why is the gospel good news? Why is it the good news of Christ? If you'll recall, and I'm going to keep repeating this, the gospel is the good news of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You see, we have a problem, and without the gospel... We cannot be reconciled to God. We sinned. The reward, the compensation for that sin is death. And that sin has separated us from God. We must be reconciled to Him if we want to have everlasting life. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, we read, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus said, Unless we repent, we will perish. That means unless you repent, as an individual, you will perish. Contrary to that, that means that if we do repent, we will not perish. That means that we've got an option. And this is where the gospel becomes so important to us. So it's good news. The gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ is good news because we can repent. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want any of us to perish. He doesn't want anybody in this room this morning to perish. He doesn't want anyone outside this room to perish. He wills that all should come to repentance. So much so that he was willing to give his only Son, that he was willing to send Christ to this earth to die for us. What love he has shown us, what grace God has shown us, and what a gift from our designer, our creator. God who created us was willing to send his son, a gift so profound and powerful that it compels us to love, to love as he loves. You see, the gospel is good news because we can repent and because we can change. We can be reconciled to God 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-9, through nine, And to give you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You see, if we do not obey the gospel, if we don't respond to the good news of the gospel, then we'll be punished in everlasting destruction. As we're separated from God from our sin, if we're not reconciled to God through the gospel, we will continue to stay separated from God eternally. So again, why is it good news? And it's good news because we can't obey the gospel. You know, what a sad day for those that have not obeyed the gospel and reached the Uh, what a sad day for those who have not who have not obeyed the gospel and meet everlasting destruction in this day again everlasting destruction separated from God for eternity if we do not obey if we do not obey the gospel if you're here this morning and you have not obeyed the gospel this is what awaits you it's good news because we can obey the gospel. We can repent, we can change, we can turn from our sin, and we can obey the gospel. If the punishment for not obeying the gospel is everlasting destruction, it stands to reason that we, if the—if that that is the punishment for not obeying the gospel, it stands to reason that we have an option to obey the gospel. And so if we have that option to obey the gospel and we want to avoid everlasting destruction, how do we do that? How do we obey the The gospel. You know, I think at this point, hopefully you realize that the gospel is good news. We realize that it's the power of God to salvation through his son. We realize that the good news is that Christ died, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. He was resurrected. So how do we obey that? Romans chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin... Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin you became slaves of righteousness. Here we read that Paul said, We obey from the heart that form of doctrine which we've been delivered. Now, from the heart mean what that means is that you believe in this doctrine. You believe that Christ is the Son of God, you believe that He was given by God so that you would not perish. You believe that he was crucified, as we read in Scripture, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And it's because of those things and your belief in those things that you can obey this form of doctrine. So what is that form of doctrine that's been delivered to us? What can we do? You know, I think when you realize the state that you're in, when you realize that you're separated from God, you know that you've sinned, you know that that sin separates you from God, there's a question that's going going to come up, or should come up. And it's the same question that we're asked by many in examples that we have in Scripture. When you know that you're separated from God, you know that you're awaiting eternal death, you know that Christ came and died for you, for that purpose. The reasonable question to ask is what can you do about that? What can you do to be saved? To avoid that eternal destruction? And we see that we obey the heart. We obey from the heart. The form of doctrine delivered us, delivered to us in scripture. In Acts 2 verses 37 through 38, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? This is the logical question that comes up when faced with these truths. What shall we do? If you haven't obeyed the gospel this morning, I hope that you're asking this question in your mind. What can I do? How can I obey the gospel in order to be saved? As we... Uh, continue on there in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2. Then Peter said to them in response to this question Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's very simple. You must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That is the answer to your question. And this is the form of doctrine that we can obey. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7, we'll see how that form of doctrine is explained and how this happens. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been free from sin. So we have to be baptized in order to be free from sin. We're, we die. Our old man is crucified in death, in baptism. So as we die, we, and we follow this form of doctrine... We see that just as Christ was crucified and he died, we also die. Our old man is crucified. We put away the the things of our past. We're buried. Just as Christ was buried, we go down into the water, and that's where we come into contact with Christ's blood. That's where his blood cleanses us and washes our sins away. And just as he was raised up from the dead, we raise up to walk a new life, free from sin, no longer bound by the bondage of sin. And that is how we obey the gospel. We're baptized into his death, and we're raised to walk in newness of life, freed from sin. And really, that's the gospel. In its simplest form, that's the gospel. You've heard it. And now I want you to ask your question Have you asked this question? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been freed from sin? If you've not obeyed the gospel in this way, you're still separated from God by your sin. You've not been freed from your sin, and you're in a lost state this morning. Now I want you to think about that as we continue through this lesson. If you have not obeyed the gospel, I want you to think about these things. I want you to think about the fact that you've sinned. The fact that your sin separates you from God. Think about the fact that God sent His Son because He loved us so much and Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Christ was crucified. He was buried and He was resurrected on the third day. And you must do the same if you want to be freed from sin and walk in newness of life. If you want to be reconciled to God, you must obey this form of doctrine. You must obey the gospel. And I want you to think about that. You know exactly now what the gospel is and what you must do to obey it. As we talked about at the first of the lesson, I wanted, one of the goals is I want you to know exactly what the gospel is, and I hope that we've been able to explain that. I hope that you understand that. I hope that you understand the impact that it has on you and has had if, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, I hope that you understand the need to do that. If you have obeyed the gospel, have you, I hope you understand. The impact that obeying the gospel has on your life. You know, I think there's a uh, the, the second part of the lesson that I want to talk about is what comes after we obey the gospel. And like I said, I want the one the second goal of this lesson is to motivate you to share this gospel with somebody else or teach somebody else the gospel. I want you to realize the impact of the gospel in your life, so much so that you want to share it. With others, So much so that you can't keep it to yourself. So if you have obeyed the gospel, I want you to pay close attention as we move forward. Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 11. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we rise from that water, we're no longer separated from God. It's at that point that we're alive to God in Christ. We've repented, we've turned from our sin, we're no longer serving the things therein. Once we're raised with Christ, we are alive in Him, and we follow Christ. And it's important for us to understand that. That's now our purpose. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our who is our life appears, when Christ, who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So once, we've been, once we come up out of the water, we've been baptized, we've been cleansed. We were, we we're raised with Christ. We're now Christians. We seek the things that Christ seeks. You know, I think it's at this point so often that Satan comes in and he confuses us, and he'll distract us. He wants us not to understand that our life is hid with Christ. He wants us to keep our mind on things of the earth. On physical things in life, but when we're baptized, we put on Christ. We've changed. We're no longer to pursue the things that we pursued before. We're to pursue the things of Christ. In Galatians chapter two and verse twenty, we read, "I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me." And gave himself for me. It's no longer our own desires. Our own wants. Our own needs that we're longing for. Or pursuing after. But it's Christ that lives in us. And the purpose of Christ. Lives through us. Christ's love is apparent in that he gave himself for me. He gave himself for you. And it's that love that compels us. It's that love that motivates us in life. In every aspect of life in everything that we do from the thing that you think is most important or (laughs) the thing that you think in life that is uh, most important to the thing you think in life is least important from each task that you have from every responsibility from the time you wake up in the morning it's Christ's love that compels us 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 through 17 for the love of Christ compels us Why? Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Christ's love compels us, and what a motivator Christ's love is. When you sit and you think about what he's done for you, when I sit and I think about what Christ has done for me, it drives me. It gives me purpose in life. It gives you purpose in life. Everything else takes a back seat because of the enormity of the impact of Christ's love. And we've got to be reminded daily of Christ's love for us. As we continue on in verse 18 through 21, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has, com- and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ knew no sin, yet he was made sin for us. What a sacrifice! What a great and powerful gift of love from God. What a blessing we have to be reconciled to God through the gospel of Christ. If it were not for the gospel of Christ, we would be dead in our sin. We would be destined for eternal death. We would perish eternally were it not for the love of Christ. The the love that Christ has for us and the love that God has for us in sending Christ to us. As we read here that we read that God was was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Through the gospel, God has reconciled those who obey the gospel to him. And I want to pay special attention that he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God has committed the word of reconciliation to us. So what does that mean? That means that God has designated... The teaching and the spreading of the gospel to us as Christians. That means that the way people. Pardon me. That means that the way people know exactly what the gospel is and how to obey that gospel, that information, that knowledge has been uh, committed to us to share with them. We have the blessing of salvation in Christ, but that blessing is not just for us. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. It's for the world, so that God may reconcile the world to Him through Christ. We cannot hoard the blessing of salvation for ourselves. You know, we were playing in the backyard (laughs) yesterday, and I'm going to throw my son McCoy under the bus again, I guess, but... They were playing with a toy outside. They had, we had a slip and slide in the in the backyard, and he had a, a I don't even know what you call it a sled that you run and you you slide on on the slip and slide. You know, and it's a lot of fun, and he was really excited about that toy. You know, that was the, his favorite thing. He was holding on to it, and you know, Tatum he set it down for just a minute, and Tatum went over there and picked that up, and McCoy. He didn't like that too much. He ran. He grabbed it. They started tugging back and forth over this toy. He wrapped his arms around it, and he was not going to let go of that toy. That was his, the most important thing to him in that moment was that toy, and he was not going to let it go. He was not going to share it. He was not going to, uh, he was not going to let anybody else have the joy of that toy. I want you to think about that and think about hoarding the blessing of salvation for ourselves. Do you hold on to the gospel like that toy? It's the biggest and most important blessing in your life. Do you share it? We cannot hold on to the blessing of the gospel in that way. We read that we're ambassadors for Christ. God pleads through us to those that are separated from him in sin to be reconciled to him through the gospel. God is relying on us. He has asked us to share that gospel with others. If we don't do that as Christians, if we don't share that blessing with others, they might not hear it. It's our responsibility, and we have to own that. We can't expect somebody else to share that blessing with them. In 1 John 4, verses 9-13, through In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. Because God has loved us, because God has sent His Son, we also ought to love one another. And we love one another by sharing God's love. And God's love is the gospel. So how do we love one another, if you think about that? God loved us through the gospel. We are to love others by showing God's love through us. If God's love is the gospel, we have to show others God's love by sharing the gospel with them. And that's how we can share God's love with others. And that's how God's love must be shared. That's the purpose of our life as Christians. That's the, that's the purpose of the church, is to share God's love. The love that God has shown us in sending His Son motivates us to love one another. It motivates us to love God. So how do we love God? We do what He's asked of us. We follow His commandments. He's asked us to share the gospel. He's asked us to love one another as Christ loved us. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. We read, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you, have love one, if you have love for one another. Men will not know that we follow Christ if we do not show his love through us for them. And his love is giving himself for us. His love is the gospel of Christ. Christ's love is the good news. The love that God has shown us in sending his son motivates us to love one another. Christ has loved us through his gospel. Through the good news that we can be reconciled to God through Christ's sacrifice. Through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. In obedience to that gospel, he's asked us to love as he loved. Sharing his gospel with others that they too might be reconciled to God. So I want to talk for just a minute about sharing that gospel. And I want you to think about people in your life through the lens of the gospel. And think about the state that they're in. Are they separated from God by their sin? Or have they been reconciled to Him by obeying the gospel? This morning, I want you to think about your family. I want you to think about your friends. I want you to think about your coworkers. I want you to think about their kids. Think about your classmates if you're in school. Think about the girl behind the counter at the grocery store. Think about the man in line with you at McDonald's. Think of those specific people in your life. There's people in your life that aren't in my life. Have those people been reconciled to God? If you don't know, it's a simple question to ask. Have you obeyed the gospel? That's a very simple question that any of us can ask, anybody that we know. Every interaction that we have should be viewed through the lens of the gospel. You know, when I think back about Granddad suggestion to me to talk about the gospel i realized that he wanted me to understand the importance of the gospel in my life and when i think about who i've shared the gospel with i'm ashamed i'm ashamed of how few of people i've shared the blessing that i have to i've held on to it like mccoy held on to that toy yesterday I've tried to hoard that blessing for myself instead of sharing it. I'm ashamed. It should have been pouring out of me for years. So why, why is that? Why do you think uh, I've been hesitant, maybe, to share the gospel? Maybe you're in a similar situation and you find yourself hesitant to share this blessing. Why? Why? It's the most important thing in our life. It's the most important thing in anybody's life that you're going to interact with ever. Why are we hesitant to share it? I think Satan distracts us. Satan confuses us. He confuses our identity. He doesn't want us to understand who we are. He doesn't want us to understand what our purpose is. He wants to do anything he can to keep us from sharing the gospel with others and teaching it to others. And there's many tactics that he takes to do that. I gave a lesson a few weeks ago asking the question, who are you? And we talked about who we are as Christians. Once we're raised with Christ, who we become. We become ambassadors for Christ. We're in Christ. And that's what defines us. We're no longer driven. Our motivation is no longer worldly. It is not by the physical roles that we have in life it's not by being uh, it's not by our career or our social status it's not by our role as a father it's not as by our role as a husband rather our motivation is driven by the gospel and all those physical roles that we have are driven by the gospel my role as a father is driven by the gospel My career, my work is driven by the gospel. Every piece of my life is driven by the love of Christ. And every interaction I have is driven by the same. So what does Satan do uh, to keep us from sharing the gospel? You know, for a long time, I think I've been intimidated by it. I've thought, I've had in my head that the gospel is complicated. That it's so complex that there's no way I could ever teach it to somebody. But it's not. We've seen this morning that the gospel is simple and that it can be shared easily. You know, I think another intimidation or another intimidating factor is the fact that the gospel is the most important thing in our life. You know, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to do something or I don't want to say something to somebody that could ruin the gospel for them in, in their obedience to it. If the love of Christ is compelling us and driving everything that we're doing, we're not going to mess up the gospel. We can't. The gospel is the good news of Christ. It's been done. We're not going to change what God has done for us. We're not going to mess up His perfect plan. We simply need to share it with others in love. You know, I think another thing is that satan uses to keep us from sharing the gospel is fear and fear of different things but fear i know one of the fears that i've had is just awkward conversation Uh, i'm an awkward conversationalist sometimes i don't know what to how to bring up things to to talk about um i get nervous that's just a fear satan gives us that fear he gives us that fear that relationships could be awkward. He gives us that fear that relationships could be ruined. Again, we're to look at those things through the lens of the gospel, not through the lens of fear, not through the lens of intimidation. When you look at it through the lens of the gospel, think about the result if that gospel is not shared. What, is, what state are, is that person in? Are they separated from God or are they reconciled to him? You know, another thing I know that's probably kept me from sharing the gospel with others is a lack of confidence. I don't know enough. I could never deliver the gospel as as eloquently as evangelists that we've heard uh, preach the gospel from this pulpit. You know, I know I've often thought in my mind, you know, I could never deliver the message like that. I can never deliver the good news of Christ that way. But we don't have to. We simply have to deliver the message. You know, when I think about how we how we do that. And how we get started. I talked with I've talked with a few people on how they've got started. You know, you see people that are, are good at talking about the gospel with others. You see people that are good at preaching the gospel. You see people that are good at interacting with others and just bringing the gospel up in any conversation, steering conversation from the most random thing back to the gospel. And I wonder, and I've marveled at how they can do that. And in talking with a few folks, one thing that became apparently, or I guess one thing that became apparent through those conversations is that nobody started out able to do that just like anything it's a learned skill it's a learned trait it's something that you have to practice you know there's so many things in life that we don't expect to be really good at we don't expect uh, to be able to do the first try and yet in my mind for whatever reason I think that I've got to preach the gospel perfectly on my first try that's not the case We've got to preach the gospel. It may not be uh, eloquent. We may have a question that uh, we can't answer. That's okay. We can find help. Help from other Christians. Help from God's word. We can find answers to those questions. We don't have to have them right then. It takes practice. And we have to simply start. We have to have repetitions and do it over and over. Start talking about the gospel. You know, when you're compelled by the love of Christ, it's always on your mind. Your heart is full of the love of Christ. And we know that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you know that you're in Christ, you know that your identity is in Christ. You abide in Him and live in Him. You're going to recognize opportunities. You're going to see pieces of conversation that relate to the gospel. You're going to find ways to bring up Christ. You're going to find ways to bring up the gospel and help people because we love them and we want to share the blessing that we have with them. You know, another thing is I've... (laughs) One thing that always intimidated me as well is uh, Pat Manning. Pat Manning is one of the, he can lay out the, the gospel wonderfully. And he has a perfect chart. And the scriptures are laid out perfectly. And it answers any question. I, you know, I have several of his charts from meetings he's done. He's, and the, you look at that chart and it will answer any question that might be thrown at that particular subject. And in the past, I thought, if I can't do that, if I can't answer all these questions and point exactly to this verse, I'm going to fail somebody. I'm not going to be able to deliver the gospel to them. I can't let that intimidate me. I don't want it to intimidate you. Pat can do that. And he's wonderfully, uh, he's worked on that skill for years. He didn't start out that way. Um, I've got just a, as I was going through this, I I was pulling out some notes, um, essentially some studies about the gospel that I've accumulated through the years. And I want to, I know you can't see them, but if you're interested, you can come talk with me afterwards. But this is just a pamphlet about the gospel. It's very simple. It talks about the problem of sin. It talks about Christ being the solution. It talks about how you can obey the gospel. And it has a diagram. I think this was copied from Pat, has a diagram that relates how baptism is that form of doctrine of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You know, this will fit in your pocket. You can carry this around on your pocket, or you can keep it in your pocket at all times, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse. You can put it on your phone. You can pull it up on your phone. Any minute of any day, you can have it at your disposal. And I have several other pages. This is another study about the gospel. It's one page. It can be folded and put in your, in your pocket. It can be memorized. It's a list of 12 verses. 12 verses and you can deliver the gospel to somebody. Here's another one that's similar. And I had four more. The verses are lined out differently, but all of these fit on one page, and they explain the gospel. You can study that and deliver that to somebody. Everyone here can do that. It doesn't take, you don't have to be a great orator. You don't have to be um, highly skilled in Writing. You simply have to know these scriptures and be able to share them with others. <laughs> you know, I think about, as we draw to a close here, I think about my uh, affinity for fishing. You know, Christ said that He would make us fishers, He would make His apostles fishers of men, and we're all to be fishers of men. And what that means is sharing the gospel and catching people for the gospel, helping people be reconciled to God by sharing the gospel of Christ with them. You know, growing up, the only time I ever went fishing was at Red River. And we'd go fishing in the river and never catch anything, ever, for years. And that did me in for fishing I did not like it now I'd walk I began to wonder if there are even fish in the river <laughs> there are evidently they say there are never caught one I'd walk by somebody and he'd ha- they'd have a couple fish and I would think wow that guy he knows what he's doing or something didn't like fishing a couple years ago I went down to visit Jacqueline's family down in Southeast Texas and they've got water everywhere and I went fishing with her brother and over the span of two to three hours, we caught seven different species of fish and a crab. <laughs> well, guess what? I like fishing now. I like that kind of fishing. I don't like fishing in the river where there's, where there's no fish. But guess what? There's fish all around us as it relates to the gospel. It's not an empty river. It's not an empty lake. Population of Plainview, I can't remember what's on the sign, 22,000 people. That's a lot of fish. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the opportunity in catching those fish and helping those people, helping the people that you love and the people that you interact with be reconciled to God. What a blessing that would be. What a blessing that will be. now if you're here and you have not obeyed the gospel i hope that you've been thinking about that john chapter 12 verses 48 we read he jesus said he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him the word that i've spoken will judge him in the last day these are jesus's words acts chapter 22 and verse 16 and now why are you waiting arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the lord if you have not obeyed the gospel, you are in sin. You are separated from God. You are not reconciled to him. And you must be baptized to wash away those sins and to be reconciled to God. If you're here this morning and you have not obeyed the gospel, I beg of you to consider that. You've been taught. These are the first principles of God. You've been taught the gospel. You know the gospel and you know what you, do to, you must do to obey it. If you're here and you have not obeyed the gospel, I ask that you please come. Please come sit on the front so that we can help you with that. If you're here and you need prayers, we'd love to help you with that as well. Please come to the front as we stand and sing.